So now we're on lesson nine. It's called The Bold Judgments is the title of our lesson. And the uh, scriptures are Revelation chapters 14 through 16, um, which is a lot. And we'll do our best. So Lord, we do thank you again for this look into the tribulation period. We do thank you that we are not destined for this. but. Um, we want to warn others so that they can be saved and can be can escape from it as well. And uh, we thank you for your prophetic word, which is always true. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first section is section A, the Lamb and the 144,000. That's Revelation 14, 1 through 5. And this is kind of a prophetic view. Remember, we're still in an interlude here in the chronology between the trumpet and the bold judgments. The bold judgments won't pick up until chapter 16. So, yeah, so this, uh, this is looking forward uh, in time. So can I get somebody to read verses 1 through 5, chapter 14? Okay, thank you. So yeah, it said, John said, Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion. Okay, so we, we've been bouncing back and forth between heaven and earth through this book. Now John is seeing something on Mount Zion, which is on earth. The Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. We last saw this group in chapter 7. And these are 12,000 chosen from each tribe of Israel. So this is a proleptic speech, which means it's speech of the future. This is a prophecy within the prophecy. So um, John is seeing the beginning of the millennium here, where the Lamb has conquered, he is with his 144 thousand he's standing on Mount Zion and he's beginning to reign he's going to begin to reign and then um, the next verse it gives you know it makes it a little difficult to interpret because the next thing it says I heard a voice from heaven okay we have a vision of the lamb the 144,000 on earth and then you hear a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder, and the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. Okay, you know, heavenly music. And, uh, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the living creatures, though that is in heaven. And the elders, no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. So I did a lot of research on this, what is going on here. And what I came up with, and I'm willing to be uh, corrected if necessary, but that the singing is coming from the tribulation martyrs in heaven. The 144,000 know the song. They're not the ones singing it um, <clears throat> because they have been preserved through the tribulation alive. 
uh, most of their converts have not been preserved alive. They are in heaven now. And they are singing this song. And uh, that's, I, I believe that's what's going on here. But both the martyrs and the 144,000 know the song. And then verse 4, these, this is the 144,000, are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. Again, there are a bazillion interpretations of this. I think the best is uh, similar to what God told Jeremiah. Remember, God told, Jeremiah prophesied in a time of terrible judgment. Uh, it wasn't as widespread as the tribulation, which is worldwide, but it was coming upon Israel. And this is what God told Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah 16. The word of the Lord also came to me, saying, You shall not take a wife for yourself, nor have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters born in this place, and concerning their mothers who bear them, and their fathers who beget them in this land. They will die of deadly diseases. They will not be lamented or buried. They will be as dung on the surface of the ground and come to an end by sword and famine, and their carcasses will become food for the birds of the sky and for the beasts of the earth. So God told Jeremiah not to marry. In addition, he told them, Jeremiah, not to pray for Jerusalem because God's mind had been made up about what he was going to do. And so uh, God would preserve Jeremiah, but he would not preserve his family if he chose to have a family. I think that's what's going on with these 144,000 here, because the uh, the judgments of the tribulation are so severe um, that their families would not survive. Um, I think that's the best interpretation of that. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of other weird things, but and so they remain uh, single. And the last thing it says about them was that no lie was found in their mouth. They are blameless. Does that mean they're sinless? No, I don't think that's what that means. That means they are mature believers. They're mature believers. Uh, you know, we, as believers, we cannot become sinless because we retain our sin nature until resurrection. But we can become much, much better, much better as we abide in the Lord. James 5.12 says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no so that you may not fall under judgment. So, and the uh, 144,000 practiced this um, command of the Lord that is given to us as well. No lie was found in their mouth. Okay, so the next section is the announcement of impending judgment. Like we haven't seen that already. <laughs> But what the Lord does is if people refuse to repent, the, the judgments get more severe. The judgments get more severe until you repent or you die, one or the other. With God, that's how it works. Um, so that's verses 6 through 
13. How about I'll read that piece? And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea and springs of waters. And another angel, a second one, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Okay, so verse 6. Another angel flying in mid-heaven having an eternal gospel. An eternal gospel. The contents of the gospel here are a little different from our gospel. Our gospel is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That is our gospel. He is saying to fear God, give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. The hour of his judgment has come. So this is the time when God will correct all wrongs. Okay? So, you know, we, we lament about the injustices in the world uh, constantly. We lament that things are just wrong, things seem wrong. Um, this is the time when God will correct all of those things. And the appropriate response, is the angel says, is to worship him who made everything, the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the springs of waters. That is the appropriate response to this gospel of the kingdom. This is the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is being born here. Then verse 8 says, Another angel, a second one, followed. And this kind of goes along with the first what the first angel was saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. So Babylon the great, where's Babylon? Babylon is between the two rivers, right? Mesopotamia. Babylon is in Iraq right now. Iraq, Iraq. Babylon is within the borders of modern-day Iraq. Yes, it's south of southeast of Baghdad, by uh, you know fifty miles or something. That is Babylon, and that is 
in the tribulation period, Babylon will be a great city. Um, a lot of interpreters through the years, and I grew up on this, you know, reinterpret the word Babylon to mean Rome. That is allegory. Uh, Babylon is Babylon. Yeah, Babylon is Babylon. Our, our, uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers, other than Dane, is Andy Woods, and he has written a book about Babylon. It's called Babylon, the Bookends of Prophetic History. And he goes to great lengths to show that Babylon means Babylon. <laughs> and, you know, I, I bought it because everybody was smarter than me as I was growing up. And when they said, well, that means Rome, I'm like, okay, you know. And so I, I'm so thankful for somebody that, you know, says the emperor has no clothes. And, and said, so just read it. That's all you have to do. Just read the darn thing. And... So fallen is Babylon the Great, and you know there there are you see new Andy Woods has a a weekly show he likes to cover prophecy things and he points out news articles about Babylon and about how attention is being drawn to it. It's being surveyed now, things like that. You know, cities in the Middle East can grow up in a few months. And uh, I think that as we read this, we will see that Babylon will be the Antichrist's world capital. In the tribulation, Babylon will be. Yeah, or allowed it to, yeah. Yeah, you know, Babylon was conquered uh, back by the Medes and Persian. But the prophecies, you know, Isaiah 13 and 14, Jeremiah 51 and 52, 50 to 52, describe Babylon as totally obliterated when it's, and that never happened in history. When the Medes and Persians conquered Babylon, they did it by stealth, and they didn't touch a thing in Babylon, and they just assumed it and took it over. That is not what the Bible describes in Isaiah 13, 14, so that is still yet future. And uh, so we're waiting for that. So when you see news about Babylon, pay attention. That's prophetically significant. Babylon will rise again. So verses 9 through 11, then another angel, a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, and this is where we, we talked about this, I think it was last week, maybe, or the week before, that during the tribulation period, I think probably it, it will be in the last half, because that's when the Antichrist will declare himself to be God, and he will want you to have a mark in order to buy your groceries. The Mark of the Beast system, yeah. And uh, this tells us that you can know that people with the Mark of the Beast will go to hell. They cannot be saved. So and that is, it says, another angel of third and followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will. It's not maybe. It's not, you know, he can come back from it. No. If you take the mark of the beast, you are destined for the lake of fire. Yeah, we will not be here. 
you know, right now the technology is present for the Mark of the Beast system. You know, I think in July the Fed, our Fed, is going to roll out uh, some a CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. You know, it's like the cryptocurrencies, except through the Fed. Yeah, 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 and. Uh, yeah, well, and all the nations of the earth are doing this. And and the motive is control of the population because if it's digital, it's recorded. They know they know what you buy. You know, they know what I buy anyway because I always use my credit card. It's recorded. I'm already doing it, you know. But now you can't get out. With cash, you cannot be tracked. They cannot track cash, and so cash is going to be moved out. So that will be outlawed. No, there's always good reasons for this. There's, there's great. Yeah, most of the reasons are convenience, very convenient, but it's, um, you know, it it will become as it is in China now, social credit score. If you buy the wrong things, you will get your privileges restricted. You may get your money turned off. Totally. Yeah, they they want you to toe the line for the uh, the government's narratives. So anyway, this is the the guy who worships the beast. He also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. So that gives you the length of time of punishment forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. So, you know, the Bible clearly teaches eternal conscious punishment for unbelievers. And it is a terrible doctrine. It is a frightening doctrine. And um, that is why it's become popular, unpopular. It's become very unpopular in churches. Churches do not mention the word hell most of the time. Churches do not teach on it. They do not talk about it. And some even evangelical churches go to great lengths to mitigate it. You know, like there's a famous preacher. He's with the Church of England. Uh, which is a Protestant church, John Stott, and he was very good. Um, I actually gave a book he wrote called Basic Christianity to my Jewish anesthesiologist friend, which he refused to accept. But, <laughs> but I mean, it was very good. But in his later years, he came to believe in something called annihilationism, which is the idea that the unbelieving are just incinerated in hell, and then they don't exist. That is not what the Bible teaches. I mean, what, they're not reading these verses right here. It says they are, you know, tormented. They have no rest day and night. It is eternal conscious punishment. And that is why evangelism is so important, because we don't want anyone to end up in that situation. So verse 12 here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. So, so we, we get a little break from judgment there. So the saints need perseverance, especially in the tribulation period. 
it is worth it to hear and heed. Remember, the, the book of Revelation has seven blessings written into it. We just came across the second. The first one was in chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things written in it, for the time is near. So the first blessing is if you hear it and you heed what is written into it, you'll be blessed. The second blessing is in Revelation 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. So the second blessing in the tribulation period is death. It is release from persecution. And the tribulation saints will also have rewards for faithfulness, just as we will. You know, here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And the end of verse 13, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. So, you know, we have a, a pretty well-developed doctrine of the Bema Seat judgment of Christ for reward. When we go, when we're raptured, relatively soon thereafter, we will stand before Jesus. He'll review our lives, and he'll reward us for faithfulness, things in which we are faithful, things which we responded to the Holy Spirit. We responded to the Holy Spirit and acted on that uh, urging of the Holy Spirit. We'll be rewarded for those things. Uh, it is the same for the Old Testament saints and for the tribulation saints. They will be rewarded in the same way at a different time. And uh, that is mentioned also in Daniel 12, verse 3. Daniel 12, verse 3. Daniel 12, verse 2 has is a very good verse about the resurrection of the dead. That says, many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. So there he's talking both about the resurrection of believers and the resurrection of unbelievers. And we learn in Revelation chapter 20 that those two are separated by a thousand years. But verse 3 goes on to say, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So that's the rewarding of the Old Testament saints for their faithfulness. And the tribulation martyrs will have the same. Everyone will be rewarded. The believers will be rewarded for the works they do out of faith. Okay, so that's it for that. Anything else on that? That The Lord gives us... Uh, uh, a motive for faithfulness. But the way to get it is faithfulness. Faithfulness to him. Exactly. Yeah, he will he will reward based on motive also. And the, the motive is okay because you say so. I'll do it. That's right. And that is the only way we get rewarded. And so um, it's not a I'm first sort of thing. It's an I'm last sort of thing. Because that's what he says. He who wants to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven will be last of all. So it's not rewarding as the world rewards.
the world rewards when you stomp on somebody else to get what you want. The Lord does not do that. <laughs> yeah. The, the Lord only rewards when you submit to his spirit. Okay, so the next one is the harvest of the earth. That's 14 through 20. Somebody want to read that section? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, 200 miles. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, so then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud is one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. This is another proleptic vision or prophetic vision, uh, or a prophecy within the prophecy. The Son of Man we know from Old Testament prophecy, Daniel 7.13. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And that actually is the, the same vision that I'm preaching about today. I have, we have been preaching about that ceremony for a few weeks now. So Jesus, and here Jesus is wearing a golden crown on his head, and this golden crown is Stephanos in the Greek. It is a victor's crown. It is not the crown of kings, because Jesus is not yet king. Okay? Here he's going to be an overcomer, a winner. He's going to be a winner, as President Trump likes to say. <laughs> It's like getting a crown in the Olympics. It's for winning. Yes. So uh, in chapter 19, we will see him with diadema, which are royal crowns and multiple ones. So uh, verses uh, 15 and 16, another angel came out of the temple crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come. Because the harvest of the earth is ripe, then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. So um, God has a timetable. And he has a timetable for judgment. I remember back in it's uh, Genesis 15, 16, when he was ratifying the Abrahamic covenant, he told Abraham that his descendants would go into Egypt. They would be enslaved there. And he would bring them back. And he was waiting that long. It would be 400 years. The reason he was waiting that long was because the iniquity of the Amorite was not yet complete. Okay? They were not bad enough yet. They were not bad enough. And he gave them 400 years to repent, and they did not. And so, you know, it was a prophecy. So when God letters a prophecy, it's going to happen. But that just shows God's grace. God does not like to judge people. You know, he says in Ezekiel, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. But Yes, yeah. Second Peter says that. That's why it seems like it's taken forever. Because God is patient. Because he desires no one to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And he gives them time, and he persuades, and he persuades, and he persuades. Um, but he will not override how he made us. 
He made us in his image, which means we have choice. He has given us choice. He will not force us. If we refuse to believe, he will honor that choice. And that means the lake of fire. <laughs> That's what honoring that choice is. So to be a image bearer of God is a tremendous responsibility. And it's a dangerous one, too, if you choose wrongly. So, um, because you will pay the price. Okay, then 16 through 18. Then another, verse 18, then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him out of the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. Okay, so... These are the grapes of wrath. Remember John Steinbeck and the grapes of wrath? This is where that comes from. The grapes are ripe. They're ready to be harvested. Okay? Waiting any longer will do no good. And we'll see that in the bold judgments. The judgments are so horrific, so unbelievably horrific, and men blaspheme God continuously. They refuse to repent. They just blaspheme more. You know, and so the the only thing he can do is kill him. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to put him down, you know, and that is what is going on here. Isaiah also speaks of this time. This is Isaiah sixty three. Yeah, let's see, Isaiah sixty three three through six. I have trodden the wine trough alone, and from the peoples there was no man with me. I also trod, the, trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. I looked, and there was no one to help, and I was astonished, and there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought salvation to me, and my wrath upheld me. I trod down the people in my anger, and made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. Another passage from the Old Testament prophets is Joel 3. Joel 3, 12 and 13. Let the nations be aroused and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come tread, for the wine press is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. So the Old Testament prophets prophesied this as well. Uh, this will be the birthing of the kingdom of God. Then verse 19 and 20, so the angels swung his sickle on the earth to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden outside the city and blood came out from the wine press up to the horses' bridles for a distance of 200 miles. So I think the city there is Jerusalem, outside the city. And notice the amount of blood here. It is up to a horse's bridle deep and it runs for a distance of 200 miles. Blood. That's a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's an, you know, that's an indication of the severity of 
this is the Battle of Armageddon. This is the outcome of it. Here we get just a, a little glimpse of it, the Battle of Armageddon. Remember in Zechariah, we read that passage, Zechariah 14, that the Lord would dissolve his enemies, dissolve all their soft tissues, basically. So it will be a, a pool of goo in Israel, 2,000, or not 2,000, 200 miles long, the width of Israel, as deep as a horse's bridle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be similar to that, you know. And there, and what's funny is that people get all ramped up, and they want they want to go to war with God. The Lord doesn't really fight; He just wins. He just wins. Yes. So, um, anyway, this this is this will happen. This is true. This will happen. Um. And that is the end of what they quarterly covered. And so they left out chapters 15 and 16, which is hilarious, you know. Yeah, so actually the, the bold judgments are in chapter 16. So I outlined chapters 15 and 16. So chapter 15 brings out seven angels with seven plagues. This is in heaven. The tribulation martyrs are singing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. That's in verses 3 and 4. And they say, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and glory, glorify your name? For you alone are holy, and all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. That is the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Then the seven angels having the plagues are given seven golden bowls of wrath. And that is the end of chapter 15. Chapter 16, and as you read it, you realize that these are poured out in very rapid succession. They're quickly delivered to the earth. And this is, you know, I I don't know exactly when in the tribulation, it'll be in the second half of the tribulation, probably, I'm thinking toward the end, because things can't go on much after this, because <laughs> it's everything, nothing will work. But the first one that is poured out is a loathsome, malignant sore on unbelievers. So the first bowl will be painful, malignant, is, you know, that's a cancerous sore only on unbelievers. That's the first one. The second bowl is poured out and the sea becomes entirely blood. There's no water in it. It is blood. The third one is poured out and all of the fresh water becomes blood. And then... The angel of the waters is saying, the reason for this, for they, this is the unbelieving earth dwellers, poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. That is the reason for those bulls. Um, the fourth one is poured out on the sun. The sun becomes extremely hot and men are scorched from the sun, and they blaspheme the name of God. 
and they do not repent. This is uh, people are now at the point where they're they're confirmed in their unbelief. You know, these are the people who have the mark of the beast. They're not going to repent. If you don't repent, if the gospel is given to you enough times and you refuse to repent and you harden yourself, you harden yourself enough, the Lord will confirm it for you. And you're stuck there. So we want to, uh, and this is true for us as believers too. We do not, when the Holy Spirit is guiding us to do something, to stop doing something, we do not want to turn him down. We want to say, okay, give me the power to do that. I will do it. Uh, because, you know, we get hardened in sin. And as a believer, you'll get hardened in worthlessness, basically. Worth, worthlessness, God can't use you. God can't use you if you respond to his urgings, you know. So, um, so that's true for the believers as well. So then the fifth one, bowl, the throne and the kingdom of the beast were darkened. So the lights were turned out on them. You know, Jesus is the light of the world. They refused the light of the world. And so the Lord turned the lights out. <laughs> and they were in the dark, in pain, and they blasphemed. They're, they blasphemed the Lord there because of their pains and their sores. And again, it says they did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth bowl, when poured out, the Euphrates is dried up. And that is making way to facilitate the armies of the East, the armies from the Far East, you know, China, India, those moving into the Mideast. Then bowl seven, there is an earthquake. And verse 19 of chapter 16 says, The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his first wrath. So the great city in that verse is Babylon. Babylon was split into three parts on the seventh bowl judgment. And this is when, and the next lesson will be on Babylon itself, chapter 16, 17 and 18, and we'll see how Babylon is destroyed. On Mother's Day, it'll be lovely. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then, lastly, hailstones fell, which were 100 pounds each. And that also caused people to blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. So that is the end of the chronology of the, um, of the judgments. Yeah, and so next we'll move into an interlude about Babylon. And then we'll move into the great and terrible day of the Lord, which is when Jesus returns in the second advent. Great stuff, man. So, Lord, we thank you. This is the stuff that makes a teenage boy just salivate. <laughs> yeah, is there a video game about this? So, anyway, so we want to be on the Lord's side. Lord, we thank you for this. Uh, we thank you for telling us about this so we can see it coming. And we thank you for your grace to us. And... Uh, 
We thank you that we are going to be delivered from this time on the earth. It will be a terrible time, but we will come back for the morning of the day of the Lord, which will be exceedingly glorious. And we look forward to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.